Yeah, let's see what he wants to do tonight. Like, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about different prophetic anointings, right? And because and, and, um, who understands that within the body of Christ, we all have the mantle of Christ, right? But w- within Jesus, I mean, he's unlimited, he's fullness, the fullness of God in, in man displayed. Uh, he's the fullness of deity, Colossians 2 speaks about. Uh, so there's a lot in him, agreed, and he's multifaceted. So within the body, we're going to get different facets and expressions of that mantle. And so when I speak of mantles tonight or anointings, whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever floats your boat, it's fine with me, right? But, but I believe that because as we were worshiping, I kept seeing these angels walking into the room uh, ready to assist the, the greatest tailor of all times, and it's Jesus Christ. Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30 says, Come to me, all you are weary, all you are heavy laden, burdened, and tired, right? Different translations, different words. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest, right? Come and learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm meek, and I'm humble in spirit. And then in some of the translations, he actually says, he says, come and I'm going to give you a yoke that is specifically tailored or made specifically for you. Isn't that awesome? Other translations, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Other places, I'm going to make a, a, I think it's the message that actually says it like that. I'm going to give you a yoke that is specifically tailored, made, and, and, and gifted for you specifically. So Jesus is the great tailor of all times, right? And what I mean is he's the guy making the, the mantle or the suit that is perfect and specific to who you are and how he wants to use you, right? And it looks different. And everybody is supposed to be prophetic, right? And it's not about standing up and saying, thus says the Lord. Okay? Although we do need that, and I actually think we're getting back to a place where people are going to stand up and say, thus says the Lord, right? And they're going to be right. That's what this is about. And we have those examples already on the earth uh, at, at this point in time. But being prophetic is about a lifestyle of living out what God made you to be. Okay? So my life is prophetic. My whole being is supposed to prophesy of what? What is prophecy? Right? This is 101, but just to get everybody on the same page. Prophecy is Revelation 19, verse 10. And the spirit of prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus, right? So whatever I'm doing that's manifesting Jesus, I'm prophesying already about who Jesus is. So wherever that is, uh, that wherever that's Jesus standing up with a, with, with a towel over his shoulder and wash, washing the feet of the disciples, that so the minute that I'm washing feet, I'm being the servant of all servants, I'm prophesying of the nature of Christ. Right? If I'm raising the dead, I'm prophesying about the nature of Christ. If I'm multiplying food, I'm prophesying of the nature of Christ because he did all of those things. Good teaching, revelation, uh, just kindness, acts of kindness, whatever it is that he did, you're manifesting a part of who he is, right? So what I believe he wants to do tonight is to give out some new mantles to people. Is that okay? Right? And, and just asking for that. So last night we went for the impartation thing. That was awesome. And, and uh, tonight, I, I believe it's specifics, but I just want to quickly talk through these anointings. Like I said last night, it's not my own revelation, but I saw it and I thought it's good enough. So <laughs> let's run with it, right? Um, it, it's, it was, uh, it, it's a book that I think James Gall wrote. Who knows James Gall? Yeah, he's awesome, right? So he wrote a book and, and he said what he saw in the body. And there's probably a lot more. There's probably different opinions. I don't really care. I just really liked it because it gave me something to look at. And, and I started looking through it and I started seeing people that I know. And I said, oh, wow, that really makes sense if I look at their lives. I looked at my own life and I thought, well, now I understand myself because 
you know, sometimes you look and you think, well, you have a picture of a prophet. You either see John the Baptist, you know, eating locusts and doing whatever he's doing and being this wild guy out in the wilderness with camel hair, or you see a guy like Ezekiel that's doing all sorts of strange prophetic actions, and you're thinking, that's not me either. Or you're thinking Zechariah, who's in heaven more than he's on earth, and you're kind of thinking, I would like to be that, but I'm not that either. And you know somewhere in there you're prophetic, you just don't understand it, right? And hopefully this is going to help you go, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? So that's what I'm hoping for. Okay, I'm going to open my water because I make Keith nervous. You open my water, it's going to make you feel better, I know. (laughs) All right, so is it okay if I just jump into it? Thank you, Keith. (laughs) So... So there's 12 of them. There's a lot. So let's see how far we get, all right? The first one that I have here is dreamers and visionaries, right? So a dreamer and a visionary, that's typically Zechariah, right? The prophet Zechariah, I mean, it's dreams, it's visions, it's these deep heavenly encounters, spiritual places, spiritual things that he sees, places in heaven that he sees and discovers that nobody knew existed, but he happens to stumble upon them. And it's really easy for him, and it's annoying because you're thinking, why not me, right? But he's that guy. It just happens, right? It's open visions and dreams, and it's like movies plays off in their mind and the spirit, and God takes them into these different places in the spirit, and they see stuff, and they discover stuff, and they speak to us. And, and for a long season in church history, we didn't know what to do with these guys. Right? They just freaked us out. We absolutely did not understand them. And most of us, because do you remember at a point there was a teaching, don't ever speak to angels? Remember that weirdness? Do you remember that? And these guys always speak to angels. So now they come and they're speaking to angels. They're going, hey, I had an encounter with an angel. And they tell you about it. And we all go, we heard don't speak to angels. That's really bad. It's demonic. Well, the problem is the whole Bible is full of people speaking to angels. And and I I, I don't want to ruffle feathers, but if you remove encounters with angels in the Bible, we have a bit of a problem in history, right? There's a lot of things that would have gone bad really fast if it weren't for angels showing up and speaking to people and actually prophets speaking back to them, right? So I want to give you permission. It's legal, okay? It's legal. Don't be stupid. It's just an angel, right? And I'm not making them little, but it's legal, all right? But they don't trump Jesus. They are ministering spirits unto us, right? They are ministering spirits unto us, and they're there to assist and to help and to aid in the work of the Lord, right? But these dreamers and visionaries, this is typically what happened. They are seers, right? And not everybody is a seer. I'm sorry, but it's it's not everybody is a seer, and it's okay, right? I so laughed. David Hogan, we were at a conference uh, last year, and there were lots of seers in the room. And then he comes in, and he's <laughs> typically David. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I don't see a thing, right? I, I can't see the enemy. I'm still, he's right in front of me. You guys, you see everything. It just does, doesn't work that way for me. I have to fight it out here in front because I don't see it, right? It's okay not to see. My goodness, it's all right, right? But then there are the guys who see, and your function is to help those who's not seeing to understand the spirit realm. That's your job. You are not better than anybody else. You're not less than anybody else, Right? But your function is to give the rest of us that don't see a grip for what's happening in the realm of the Spirit. Because we want to learn and we want to see and we want to understand what's happening in that realm, right? And it's necessary that somebody has these encounters in heavenly places. 
Do I believe that more people is going to have it in the future? Absolutely. I believe it with all my heart. It's going to become more, much more normal than it used to be, right? It's already more normal than it used to be. But there's legitimacy that comes to that when, when that vision actually manifests, right? When there's fruit on the encounter, and that's what we're looking for, right? Where a lot of the stuff that took place in a season was just imagination. I'm sorry. It was a good experience. That's great. But where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? We want to see fruit on the stuff. I want to see fruit on your encounter with heaven. It's the same for me, right? What's the fruit? What's the outflow of these things, right? But we need the seers, and we need to want to be in that position as well. It's a great place to function in. The, the nice thing about a seer is that a seer prophet functions, all, his, all five spiritual senses are working with them, right? So if one fails, you have four left, which is good, right? Where some of us, we only have one functioning. I only have hearing. So the problem is if the enemy shuts me down in the area of hearing, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> Do you understand? So it's awesome if you can function in that. And we all should want to develop our spiritual senses in a much better and bigger way. To have encounters, to see things that we haven't seen before, to go into heavenly places. And like I said, I absolutely believe that we're going to function in that as a body a whole lot more than we've ever done before. As a body. Corporately, people are going to grow in that. But it's not a pressure thing. Do what you're supposed to do. That's the point, right? Some guys fall out of the womb seeing. Just the way it is. Others need to work at it. Others have moments. Others don't see at all. But they still raise the dead. Right? So it's not a pressure thing. It's just it's there and it's an awesome gift. Modern day examples of, of seers uh, would be guys like Bob Jones. Okay, Bob Jones was a seer prophet. John Paul Jackson was a seer prophet. Paul Cain was a seer prophet. Uh, there's some of them alive still today. Seer prophets that's rocking the world. Sean Boltz is a seer prophet, right? So it's these kind of guys, but they give us a grit. I mean, if you've ever read any of Sean Boltz's books, like he had an encounter with the Minister of Finances of Heaven. Have you read that? Phenomenal. Just an incredible book, right? And he wrote this book about kingdom finances out of these encounters. And you're thinking, my goodness, it's so powerful. And the thing is, you can feel God's spirit on those writings. It's anointed. It's from the Lord, right? And it made an impact, right? So that's, that's the seer anointing. Why am I putting it out there? Because I want you to maybe see yourself in some of this, but I also want you to go, I want that, right? That's what tonight is about. Just to be a little bit, I want that, and I want to go after that. Is that fine? The second one is prophets who proclaim God's corporate, um, God's cor corporate purpose to the body of Christ. And, and what I mean, th these guys are, it's interesting. You'll see them, and you're going to see a lot of them just if I describe them a little bit. These guys are not necessarily the guy that's going to prophesy personal prophecy over you. That's not their strong suit. They can do it, but that's not their thing, right? But they stand up in seasons and God gives them a word for the corporate body of Christ that directs the body in a specific direction, right? That says, this is the way that God is moving. So the whole church wakes up to a reality, to a side of God, and, and whatever that is. And, and they say, like, it's almost like they're signposts saying, church, wake up. God is moving this way. So let's go here. The cloud is going this way. So let's, let's move in that direction. And the whole church almost comes to attention because it's a word from the Lord, and it gives focus in seasons to the body of Christ, right? The most 
obvious one for me of guys functioning that would be Rick Joyner, right? I don't know if Rick Joyner, I've never seen him pers doing personal prophecy. I don't know if any of you have seen him. Either. I've never seen it, right? And I think he had an encounter, if I remember the words right, he had this dream because he was kind of upset about it. And the Lord said to him, Rick, would you rather want to see the tree or do you want to see the forest, right? And he said, well, the forest, Lord. And he said, okay, then be content. I'll show you the forest, but you're not going to get a lot for the tree, right? And think about Rick Joyner's words. He will have these open vision movies, books that he writes, just incredible stuff. And he just keeps on prophesying to the body for years. I mean, final quest. You can read it again today, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is just incredible. Just in season, a word that God gives him, and it just opens the church's eyes to realities around us that we didn't notice, right? That, that's this corporate prophet or person, and that's on a big international scale, but then there's different levels and different degree, degrees of that prophetic anointing and all of the stuff I'm talking about. It's that person in the workplace that just stands up and they, they heard from the Lord and they, they have the ability to turn a whole company in a certain direction and, and there's fruit on it because God is speaking. Or you turn your whole family in a direction and God says, this is the way that our family needs to go now. So it's a, it's a different anointing. It's not this individual one, but you have a sense over this is what God is doing in general. And, and it's like prophetic teachings and writings that comes out of you in a season like that. These guys are crucial to the body of Christ, right? Because they're signposts to where we're supposed to be going, okay? And do you understand that it can be an apostle that functions in this? Hello? Right, it can be an evangelist that functions in this. Angus Buckham to me is similar. In, a, in some sort of a way, Angus has this ability in South Africa to just, in the right season and the right time, he just calls a nation together and gives a nation direction. That's, that's, that's kind of the anointing that I'm talking about. And I mean, he's an evangelist, right? But this grace is on his life to pull people together. That's very weak. You just switch off your phone, right? So he's, he's got that grace on his life to me. He's a similar kind of a picture. Although he's not this writing movies and books kind of, you know, prophet, but he has the ability to direct the church in season and in time. It's a crucial anointing, right? It's so important because corporately we need direction sometimes. Corporately we need somebody to stand up and say, listen, the trees will be fine, but the forest is in need of A, B, and C, okay? And that's that kind of anointing that we need in the body. That's that kind of person uh, that God is raising up. The next group of prophets or prophetic anointings, it's prophets who proclaims God's heart standard for his people, okay? What that means is Bruce Wilkerson is one of those. Bruce Wilkerson, I know, your prophet, right? Wilkinson, yeah. He's one of those. So what does he do? He gets up on stage and he basically feels like he scolds the church for an hour or two. You feel horrible. <laughs> but, but he proclaims the standard of God's moral, holy, sanctified living that he's expecting of the body of Christ. And he gets us into that place. Leonard Ravenhill was the same. Leonard Ravenhill, I mean, if you read his books, you're just like, you don't feel good afterwards, right? But somehow he raises the standard of living in your life when you read this. And it kind of makes you go, I think I can do better than what I'm doing. When it comes to holiness, when it comes to just the way we live the word of God, right? Because holiness still matters. It's still important how we think, how we speak, how we proclaim ourselves. 
And sometimes the, moral, the moral fiber, and I mean, this is what you guys are busy with, to be quite honest. The moral fiber of a nation just deteriorates completely. And somebody needs to stand up and raise the moral standard of, of, of a nation again. By the way, that's what John Wesley did. One of the things John Wesley did is he taught the people manners. The proper English, they didn't have any proper manners. So he taught them manners. Very interesting. Right? That's one of the things John Wesley actually did. Above and beyond all the revival stuff and everything, he actually raised the moral standard of society and said, listen, there's a better way to live. This is the standard of scripture. You need to get in line. Right? It's a Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the same. Reading Jeremiah is not always fun. It's kind of like, because he's the weeping prophet for a reason. I mean, I don't know if he was weeping because of all the words he got. We just caused a lot of weeping. I don't know, but it's hard reading Jeremiah. Have you read Jeremiah? It's not fun. It's like, oh, man, can we just get some good news out of this guy, please? What? And he's just, well, I'm just saying what God's saying. You guys, you suck a little bit. <laughs> I'm not happy with you. Get it right. I Don't worry, I'm going to save you in the end, but just get your act straight, right? That Jeremiah is a typical example of that. And it's okay to sometimes be that person, right? But it has to be under the anointing. Some people, uh, you're, this doesn't give you permission to be a critic, right? Because a lot of people take that kind of as a license to be judgmental. That's not what this is about. You're missing the point, right? This is a word from the Lord that speaks into you, that brings conviction about sin it speaks to your conscience and it speaks to your inside and you go oh my goodness i need to repent it's like they carry the fear of the lord they carry the spirit of the fear of the lord it's important you need people like that around you that because they keep you on your toes in a good way it's not religion it's none of that it's just when you're around these guys, you go, oh, man, I, you know, you kind of feel like, man, I need to sort myself out. I'm, I'm, I'm not right. I'm not, you know, I need to stop this bad habit and that bad habit. And you just, you didn't know you had bad habits until this guy came into the room. You're like, okay, that actually doesn't sound great, right? That's important, right? So they, they raise God's standard in society. And I want to tell you something. The last couple of years, it's personally to me, I find it interesting, but a lot of preaching has shifted in this direction again. There was a lot stronger focus on holiness than we had in seasons before. And I don't think we're done. I don't think we're done. Right? There's a holiness movement that God's releasing. And these guys are going to play a part in that. Bringing the body to, oh, my goodness, I'm, you know, I'm actually lazy. I'm actually just lazy, downright lazy. That's what this guy is bringing about in me when I read it. Like Leonard Ravenhill, read his books. And you just go, oh, man, I'm really lazy. You know? I don't think I care as much as I thought I did when you read his books. It's just, that's important, right? But those guys are critical to the body of Christ, and we don't like them, right? And sometimes we turn away from them very easily because we say, oh, no, he's, he's in the wrong spirit. They're not necessarily in the wrong spirit. It might be God, right? And if you're that guy that maybe is already moving in something like that and you keep feeling people dislike you deeply, well... It might be because God is speaking, right? But you have to be able to deliver that message with grace still. It has to be covered in grace, even though it speaks and it pierces to the heart. Jesus did the same. You know, think about it. If you walked with Jesus for three and a half years, I think you were questioning yourself quite a lot. 
am I even born again? No, you're not. I haven't died on the cross yet, so don't worry. But, <laughs> but no, you, you understand when you walk next to holiness, you kind of go, okay, this is awkward. <laughs> right? You need those people in your life, but your life needs to present holiness. Holiness needs to shine out of you, and that brings conviction. It can't just be hard words and Bible bashing. That's not what it's about. Then you're missing the point, right? But you do need to speak into the moral fiber of society because we need it, right? Society actually needs those prophets to speak, okay? Some of the apologists also kind of fall into this a little bit. Apologetics sometimes for me can fall into it. Not all of it, some of it, but some of it kind of falls into that place as well because they have the ability to, to confront and to reason and to, to bring reasoning to people to understand the foolishness that they're actually believing, right? So that stuff is it's important. Right, the fourth one is, the, is prophets who proclaim the church's social responsibilities and actions, okay? These are really simple, but this is going to encourage a lot of you because sometimes we do stuff and we don't think we're being prophetic. Do you understand that Mother Teresa was a sign and a wonder. She was a prophetic voice, and she's still being one in this century just because of her life. Don't know if she ever prophesied. She probably did, right? But just because of her heart for the poor and the orphan, she was speaking to the church and reminding us of, hey, wake up. This is your job as well. Heidi Baker does the same. Heidi Baker also speaks, her whole message speaks into your spirit and says, wake up, there's a responsibility to the orphans and the widows. You have a social responsibility as a church as well. You guys are having fun being all spiritual. This is spiritual, right? That's the message of these prophets is they come into a room and you just, you just hear the stories and the testimonies and, it, and there's something that prophesies to us as a generation about who's going to take care of the orphans and the widows. Who's going to do James chapter 1, verse 27? This is pure and true, true religion, that you take care of the orphans and you visit the widows, right? That take care of the orphan actually means to bring them home, if you look at some of the translations, yeah? They actually speak into that place in the church's moral fiber, and it says, hey, this is awesome what you're doing, but where's your feet on the streets? Where's your hands on the streets? Like Heidi Baker's message, her famous message, what? Love looks like something, Right? Love looks like something. We can't say we're all love and God is love and grace and la-di-da, but you're not, you're not, love isn't flowing out of you to the guy on the street, right? These guys prophesy into that and they keep us on our toes and they say, hey, wake up, you've got a job to do. Now wake up, you've got something to do in this area, right? So these guys are super important. And in South Africa, I believe there's going to be more and more voices like this standing up in the season because of the place we are as a nation. The same with the moral thing, the, the corporate standard that God wants to raise. So you, we're going to see a lot more of these guys standing up. These guys are also evangelists sometimes. And what they're doing is missionaries sometimes. They come into the room and they, they awaken us to, hey, there's a lost world out there. Have you forgotten about them? Don't forget about them. It's real. It's happening today, right? Hey, people are being killed and persecuted for their faith today. Don't forget about that, right? We need those voices because it reminds us that the world is bigger than this little hub that we're in, which is awesome, but there's something going on out there. And unless we have those voices, we forget, right? We do forget. And they prophesy and they speak into that place and they challenge and they make you feel uncomfortable. And that's exactly what God wants, right? 
It's exactly what He wants for you, is to feel uncomfortable and to be reminded that, hey, there's a job to do out there. So, the fifth one is prophets who speaks for the administrative strategy, strategy of God with a political slant, with a political angle on it, right? So, what he means here, and, and again, there's some modern day examples, but it speaks of a guy like Moses, who was a prophet, Joseph, David. They were prophets in their day, but let's just take Moses and Joseph for a minute. These guys were, were prophets. They heard from the Lord. They were leaders. They were some of these corporate prophets as well. They gave direction to the body in a season. But what did they do? They came in a season and God prophetically spoke to them. Daniel would also fall in that category for me. And God prophetically spoke to them. And what they heard brought political change in a nation and shifted a nation politically in a different direction that God wants to take them, right? Moses comes and, I mean, he confronts an issue and he frees a whole nation out of slavery. Although that's a deliverance thing, it's a spiritual thing, but it's also a political thing that happened, right? What Moses did changed Egypt's history forever. I mean, they never, they've never recovered, ever, right, after what happened in that, that season, okay? Joseph comes and, I mean, he shifts Egypt into a place of prosperity and he positions Israel for their future as well, right? So it's, it's, it's prophets that come in and they're hearing from the Lord, they're having dreams, they're having visions, but they actually impact on a political, governmental level what's happening in a nation because of what they see and what they hear, right? This, like, yeah. I believe there's modern-day examples. I don't know if they're having visions or dreams, but boy, they are shifting the international political scene with what they're doing, right? And God has raised them up. I, I have no clue if they have visions or dreams, but they feel something. And they shift. Their sh I mean, whether you like it or not, Trump is one. I don't care if you like him or not. Donald Trump, God is using this guy to smash everything, everything. He's just destroying everything. He's destroying the religious spirit in you and in me, and he's upsetting us. I don't even know if he's fully a believer. I think he's trying to be one, but God is using him right? And he's just shifting globally. And, and I want you to have a, just watch in the next four years what God's going to do with this guy, right? Just keep your eye on it because he's, he's shifting globally. There's a shift back to a moral standard and God is actually using this guy for it. Whether he knows it or not, I have no clue. I think he knows a little bit. I don't know if he always knows, right? But God is using him. Like him, dislike him. I, Winston Churchill was similar to me. Winston Churchill, if you read the stories, this guy actually had prophetic unctions about where to send the troops in the Second World War. He had prophetic dreams. He had encounters. I saw a show the other day, his little room where he, was, um, where he was sitting on this boat that he used to sail in. He had a bathtub, and he threw uh, sand in there, and he would build the, 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 you know, the, the landscapes where the wars, where the battles would be going on, and he would build them in the bathtub. And he would sit there for days and nights, they say, and you wouldn't see him. He wouldn't come out. And he would sit and plot with this stuff. And guys would say that he would have prophetic unctions at moments and saying, listen, we need to do that. We need to do this. And that's how basically the Second World War was ended, right? It was through this guy. There was, a, there was a prophetic grace on his life. Lincoln also had that. Abraham Lincoln, was a, he was a prophet, this guy, right? He had unctions from the Lord, and he knew how to function in that and shift things and bring freedom into places, right? This is a super important, and, and I, I don't know... Um, you know, what God is doing in South Africa. I know I've had a couple of words that this, 
God is shaping somebody in the secret place called this thing. I don't know who it is. I have no clue. But that guy is being raised up in our nation, right? And all I want to say is I think we need to pray for whoever that is. We need to pray that that anointing comes into our nation very quick and very fast. And it might not always be the president. It might be the number two. It might be the number three guy. Mike Pence is probably that guy at the moment, by the way, in America. Mike Pence is sold out. He's a full-on believer of God. And I actually think that he might also be a big influence in this thing because he's turning the heart of the nation slowly because he's that guy that's just sitting in the shadow like Joseph, basically, right? We need guys like that in the body of Christ that's going to rise up and influence a nation, okay? So this anointing is critical in this time and in this season, right? Uh, I don't know who's it going to be, but we need to pray for those guys to wake up and that God will anoint them and release them uh, into, the, into prominence, okay? And it's not, I mean, this can be in a school, this can be in a, in a business setup, this can be in any place, right? Have you noticed there's always this one guy in the family as well? It's funny, I've been looking at families. There's always this one voice in a family. They're usually not the one you would think. It's not necessarily the oldest brother or the oldest child, but there's always this one, and, and they kind of, just doing their thing, but they have the ability to get everybody to listen when it's seriously directional stuff, and they turn a family, and the family just kind of goes with, yeah, I like that. Why did they listen to that one? But then they do, and it works, right? And they shift things. There's always that person somewhere in a church, in a family, in a setup, and we need to look out for those guys, right? It's the corporate thing. They can shift corporately, but they also have a, this political edge on them in a good way that brings change and deliverance in a setup. We need those guys, right? They are different. They think out of the box. They really think out of the box. And it's okay. You need him around you, right? Does it make sense? The next one, the next few, they're not that unfamiliar to us, but it's prophetic worshipers, prophetic worship leaders. And um, who knows there's a difference between just worship and prophetic worship. There's, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between singing songs, which is awesome, but then there's guys that step up, and it's like these prophetic songs that's being released over, uh, over the body as they sing, and, and it's, 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 a, it's almost like a prophetic teaching that just flows out of them as they are leading worship, and it's new songs flowing out of them, and there's revelation in it, and you actually listen to those songs, and you can listen to it 10 years later, and it still prophesies, it still speaks to you, right? It's just, it's a powerful prophetic anointing, and it, and it actually shifts atmospheres, and, it's, and it releases a new sound in a new season, right? And that sounds always kind of like, you know, fluffy and whatever. What I mean with the new sound is that, um, like, I haven't been born again that long, so some of you are as longer than you count as ash, for me. In, uh, all I know is when you look at history, I, I look at the different movements that I've seen in my 14 years of being born again, which is not a lot, but then I, then I listen to the sound of that group that was the sound that God was doing in that season, and it's amazing, but then suddenly God raises up a next movement, and their sound actually, it, it brings life out of you when you worship, it's like, suddenly it's like, oh, this is alive, this thing moves me again, right, and then there's a new movement again, and there's a new sound that comes out of it again, because sometimes the, the, the you'll find that that sound gets really frustrating at some point. I don't know how to put it differently. The words are awesome, the hearts are awesome, but the sound just, ah, just I can't listen to this anymore. It's just depressing or it's annoying. What, I don't know how to put it. It's not their fault. It's not wrong. It's just God is releasing a new sound 
And somebody needs to catch that sound because it represents something of what he's actually releasing in the spirit over the body of Christ, right? And it's super important that we have these prophetic leaders that stand up and sing and worship and break the box, right? One of my favorites is Rick Pino. I'm just, I love the guy. I don't know if you've heard of Rick Pino. Who knows Rick Pino? Yeah? He's a wild guy. Like some of his stuff, he just <laughs> he's got this one song. You probably heard it like way back, 2009, 2008 CD. Chris, you probably remember as well. Where he's just, when he starts singing this song, it's like, ding dong, the witch is dead, the witch shall truly, it's just this horrible song, actually. But you're just going, yeah, come on, it's so awesome, right? Just this weird, crazy worship. And then the next minute, he brings out this worship, and it's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just pouring out. Maurice actually sang one of his songs yesterday, Under His Shadow, that's one of his songs. And, and this is just stuff that's birthed out of the secret place. Uh, J- Jason Upton is another one. Like I, I loved him so much. He's not doing much anymore, but that guy was amazing, right? Uh, David Helser, Jonathan Helser, he's one, right? He, he, he's got this prophetic psalm um, and storytelling ability almost. He's got an amazing ability to, to tell a story through his song, a scriptural truth, and to awaken that in the body again in a specific season. Like, you know, that, that song that he sang that, um, about coming out of the grave, that Lazarus song, remember? I, I can't even remember. But it, it's just that song just awoken something inside of all of us, you know, where he said, but, he, but I stood outside of your grave and I called, right? And that song just stirred something. It's just kind of this reminder of, of stories. Uh, what's that old guy that always told the stories? Don Francisco. He was also one. He had this ability to just sit there and sing these Bible stories. But boy, it just moved you, right? It was just prophetic, and, and so prophetic worship is super important. It's, it's an incredible anointing that's necessary. I want to say we, we, we need a new sound at the moment. I'm, I'm serious. Um, and I f- what I feel is like South Africa is on the brink of a new sound. South Africa is going to get their own sound. And by the way, uh, I'm looking at the two of you. You, you guys have a, have a part to play in that new sound. And what I mean with you as a representation of a nation and of a grouping in our nation, because there is an, a South African worship sound. It's not hill song and it's not Bethel, right? Hill songs is not going to work here in the Platteland, <laughs> right? Bethel is awesome, but it's not going to work here. There's a specific sound that South Africa needs, and it's 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 because it's a unity movement that God's going to birth in the church out of this new thing, right? It's so important that we as South Africans find our sound because we've got a key that I believe into releasing something into the nations prophetically through worship because we're a multicultural nation, right? And if we can get a sound that unites a nation, that sound is going to go through Africa and it's going to shift things in the atmosphere, right? So that prophetic anointing is super important. That prophet, You need that prophetic anointing, right? How many of you sit sometimes and you worship and you just go, I don't know what to sing, right? And you just wish you could get your own song right there. Isn't it awesome? You should do that. Just trust him that he's going to give you the words and just sing. I'm the worst singer in the world. I've been told that on numerous occasions, right? <laughs> From my little girl to my wife, just kind of going, you see, she's got lots of talents, but that's not one of them. She's just, just talented, you know. But I'm a prophetic worshiper, right? And what I mean with that is when I'm on my own, boy, I can sing my own song for a long time, right? I just sing a new song to the Lord, and I love it. It's fun, right? I don't need words. I sometimes get bored of the words. I I just sit and I just start singing my own song to the Lord, and it's awesome, right? And what's crazy about it is you actually start prophesying over yourself. 
You know how you know it's prophetic? Is when you do it and you go, oh, that's good. I should write that down. And you're like, wow, that's like pretty awesome, right? Okay, so just be prophetic in any way and you'll worship as well. Worship needs to be expressed in every level. You know, I, one of my friends is Dima. He's a crazy Russian guy. Oh, my goodness, you know him. And I went to him to the Ukraine once, and I'm standing in this church, and so you walk in, so the, they decided that the worship team will stand with their back to you. So you're kind of like looking at the back of their electric guitars, right? Which is strange, but they've got their reasons for it. And then we're in the worship, and I mean, it's Russians, right? Who knows Russians, right? Yeah. Russians like blowing stuff up. That's what they do, right? They're <laughs> that's, they like fighting, and they like action and aggression, right? So I come into the Ukraine not really knowing what to expect, and then I step into Yura's church with Dima. And the next minute, I kind of hear, this is strange, and the next minute, it's like heavy metal. And I'm like, I hope we're worshiping, because I don't know what you're saying. And the next minute, there's a guy who jumps up, and he has a spear in his hand. So this guy is running through the church with a spear. Then Dima grabs swords, and guys are spinning swords around. The next guy's got a shield. He's running around. This one guy's just ah, shouting in the church. Another guy's just headbanging. I'm going, whoa, this is, this is out there, right? This is out there, right? And then, <laughs> and then I get to know the Russians, and I'm like, it actually makes 100% sense to me that that would be the way that they worship, right? <laughs> Yura is extreme. I have to give it to him. But Yura's whole thing, their whole church, they're like this warfare church, man. It's like, I don't know, Yura just, he works out just to flex his muscles at the demons, basically. He's kind of that guy, you know, and it, they're just like, this is what they do, and when we worship, it's going to be, you know, and, but it's awesome. It's a prophetic sound that's coming from them, and it's unique to who they are and to their calling, right? So we need to get our sound, okay? Yeah. Then there's prophetic intercessors, right? A prof we actually spoke about that a lot this weekend, so I don't need to expand on that too much, but prophetic intercession, um, that is super powerful intercession because it's throne room prayer. It's listening what's happening in the throne, throne room. It's, it's listening what's happening in the councils of the Lord. And I take that down from heaven and I pray that into the earth. I stand in that gap and I intercede over nations and over peoples, right? It, it, it's a powerful, powerful gift. It's a different way of prayer, but it's, it's prophetic intercession that will shake the world. Chuck Pierce is one of those, for instance, right? Chuck Pierce is a prophetic intercessor. He's a prophet, but man, his intercession is phenomenal. You know, when he walks into a nation, he starts praying, things really shift. And it's tremendous grace. There's a lady in East London. Her name is Lorette Nkati. Now, Nkati is a Xhosa surname. Lorette is from Scotland, right? So she's uh, 70 years old. She speaks fluent Xhosa. And then the next minute, she switches over in this beautiful Scottish accent and speaks English to me. I go, how did that happen, right? And um, so she's been a missionary in South Africa for 40 years. She actually married a Xhosa guy that, that didn't work out in the end, unfortunately. But she, I don't know if she's ever prophesied personally to anyone that I know of. I mean, like maybe in, in secret. But her thing is not prophesying. Her thing is praying. That lady did, I, I want you to hear this, right? For four years straight, every morning... She's like the legend in, well, in the Eastern Cape, but she should be one in South Africa. Every year for four years, she did live intercession on Link FM, which is like impact radio here, from 4 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock in the morning, 
Monday to Friday. And then Friday night, she would start at 12 midnight and pray until Saturday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, doing live intercession for four years by herself. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's intense, right? And she's just like, I'm energized. <laughs> you know? She's, she's not tired. She's just loving this, right? People would get healed in hospitals. The streets actually got cleaned up. It was phenomenal what happened in those four years, right? Just prophetic intercession. She just felt this is what we do. And she would sit down and just listen. And then suddenly she just starts praying what God places on her heart. And there's massive breakthroughs. I mean, she also prays with Mahweng Mahweng in, uh, you know, uh, in Parliament. I mean, she's, she's moving around. The, I don't know. You've, have you met her? Imagine if you would at some point. She's just this intercessory giant, right? But prophetic intercessor. I mean, she's just praying what's on God's heart in season. I mean, she just feels like God is saying this and this, all right, and she pulls a whole group of people into that room. like, this is what we're going to pray. I mean, the stuff that they prayed through in the Eastern Cape and in South Africa is phenomenal. Right? It's really amazing. I mean, she, she probably, I hope she writes a book one day because it's quite interesting what's, what's happening, right? So prophetic intercessor. Uh, that's such a need in the body. That's something that God really wants to call us into, right? This one I'm going to end with. It reminds me, spirit bearers. But I'll end with those. The next one is prophetic counselors, right? Uh, who knows that lots of counseling takes a lot of time? Yeah. And who knows that when the prophetic sticks, steps into the room, it actually shortens that period because you get to the heart of the matter a lot quicker, okay? Prophetic counselors... Is almost how I want to put it. Is you're, it's like you're going to sit with them and they're going to tell you your problems. You don't need to tell them your problems. They're going to tell you this is what's wrong with you, right? And they're going to have the way to fix it, right? We need these counselors. We need people that steps into the counseling thing because the counseling is absolutely important. Uh, I think where counseling gets hard is where, where the prophetic is taken out of it because then if you don't watch out, we're just counseling demons. And that, that's taking a whole bunch of time, which is not necessary, right? Uh, don't, don't counsel somebody's issue. Don't, don't comfort the thing. Get to the root of the issue. And prophetic counselors cuts through, and they get into that thing. I think the Sozo movement was a massive step in that direction, right? And there's other stuff. I, I don't know. Lots of you guys are doing counseling, and you know way better than I do. But, but prophetic counseling is something that God's going to release because it's, it's to see the issue, but also to have the word and the tool in season that's going to bring deliverance of that thing, right? Because I said to somebody last night, I think Corey and, and Ariel, I said, man, we, we, need, we really need a deliverance revival in South Africa. Yeah. Martin. <laughs> like a real full-on deliverance revival where people walk into the room and the demons just flee, right? Because we've, we've got a problem with that. Uh, we're, we're more in trouble than we think we are, right? And, and this prophetic counseling thing is actually going to help in that, but there needs to come a prophetic deliverance edge on that thing. The sword of the Lord needs to cut into that thing much quicker, and we need to see freedom come over an, a, a nation and a region. I really, I want to stand, I don't, I mean, this is not necessarily part of anything that I'm teaching, but I actually want to pray for people right now. If you, if you feel a draw to what, I don't like that word, so how am I going to put it? I don't like the thing that there's a deliverance ministry and it's kind of this side. It's part of our walk with the Lord. Do you understand? But, but if you are sitting here and something about that just spoke into your heart now about this deliverance revival, I want you to quickly stand. Because I want to pray over you just real quick. Right?
Paul said he works in the place I work in. When, when I work in the Transcar, I, I just don't have time to counsel them through all of this stuff. There needs to be mass deliverance because they've been steeped into the demonic for just decades, right? I, we don't have time to move through all of this stuff. We need the sword of the Lord to come in and just deliverance just happen in a place and demons run and flee. Jesus, that's what he did, by the way. He would just walk into a reason and the, principality, the principalities would come to him kind of begging for mercy before he even did something, right? It's the whole story with Legion. Son of man, have mercy on us. He didn't even do something. He just showed up. <laughs> I mean, isn't that awesome? He walks in and the principality comes and begs you for mercy. Please, what, what are you going to do with us? That's what, he, what, what are you going to do with us? That's basically what he said. He just showed up. Isn't that something? Right? We need to be those guys, man. We just need to show up and the principality needs to run to us and say, please, just be kind to us. <laughs> like, we're not going to be. <laughs> right? That's what we want. All right, so just stretch out our hands. If you're standing around somebody, just put your hand on them as well. And let's just pray. So, Lord, I, I want to thank you for this deliverance edge that you want to release into your body, Lord. A prophetic deliverance thing, a, re a revival of deliverance, Lord. Not weird stuff, but just back to the simple model where Jesus said, get out in Jesus' name. Just leave in the name of Jesus. And they go, Lord, where principalities will come to us and beg for mercy, Lord. Where Ephesians 6, verse 12 and onwards would be the story of our lives, Lord. Where we understand that our battle is not flesh and blood, but it's principality, powers, and spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. And we won't be afraid to confront, but they'll be afraid of us because we're going to shine the light of the gospel, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray for release now in the name of Jesus. Let that mantle just drop on people, Lord. Just a deliverance edge in the name of Jesus. Atmosphere shifters, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just release that more, Lord. Just more. Just, just hang in this thing a little bit. Is that okay? Thank you, Lord. Just more. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Jesus' name. Like Revelation 1 says that he has a sword in his mouth. Isaiah 11 speaks that the rod, the scepter of truth, the scepter of iron will be in his mouth. And he will shatter nations with his words. Lord, I pray that that anointing, that level of anointing will come upon us, Lord. That we will shatter the principalities in nations with the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, just release more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sure. Thank you that you release the angelic around this right now as well. Thank you that you release that around now, Lord, the assistance from heaven to come. Your warrior angels, Lord, your angels of deliverance. Yeah. In the name of Jesus.
doing that. Wow, that felt good. Now I lost track of the, the prophetic counselor thing now, sorry. But it's good. Wow. All right. The next one I want to talk about real quickly is prophetic equipper. Uh, so prophetic equipper is that old thing they always said, and, and you see it in the Antioch church. It's when the prophets and the teachers came together, the apostolic was released. Remember that story? Uh, the prophets came together with the teachers, and the next minute Paul and Barnabas were released into their commissioning as, as apostolic uh, leaders into the Gentile nations, right? But it, it came together through the teaching, prophetic teaching in a season that equips the body and releases them into destiny, right? One of the greatest prophetic equippers of our time is Bill Johnson, right? Whether you like him or not, but what he did in that season, that, that book, When Heaven Invades Earth, that book rocked the world, right? That book awakened us to the fact that, listen, we're actually, it's actually legal to move in power. I mean, that was what, late 2008, nine, I can't even remember when it came out. But that book, that was prophetically something that God placed on his life, and that thing equipped the body globally and awakened us into a whole new level of understanding in the Lord, right? It, it's, John Wimber was similar, right? He, he was a prophetic equipper. He's an apostolic leader, right? But what he did is he just equipped. It was prophetic teaching that was released into the body in a season. And there was grace that just launched people into ministry all over the world. It just awoken us to, oh my goodness, this is actually legal. I can do this. What I sometimes feel these guys do, that's, I believe that's probably 50%, if not more, 80% of leadership is just what, what they actually do is they just tell you, hey, it's okay to do this. It's possible. You can do this. Okay, so go. It's actually what they do. They just stand there and say, it's legal, it's scriptural. Okay, so go for it, right? And we need that in the body. We need somebody to tell us, you're not crazy. It's okay what you're doing, scripturally, right? So these guys have an incredible grace on their life to just ignite people into destiny, into calling, into a greater level in the Lord, right? There's lots of them. I'm just using a couple as examples. There's lots of these guys. That's why we had this awakening of schools in, in the last decade. Remember all those prophetic schools, schools of supernatural. I mean, we were part of all, all of this stuff just exploded out of it. Just this a season of just equipping the body and equipping the saints to step into greater destiny and greater glory, right? And I, I feel that's going to be awakened again in this season. I feel like there's a new wave of training and equipping that's going to come. It's going to be different than what we're having at the moment, but there's something coming again. There's definitely something on the brood in the spirit. It's brewing in the spirit, and you're going to see guys standing up, and there's going to be different kinds of schools. Uh, it's going to be schools of the prophetic, schools of whatever, but it's going to look different. And I want to suggest that keep an eye out on the apostolic. I feel like God's going to shift something in the apostolic too, right? We're going to see a different apostolic movement. There's something that's going to rise up out of that arena. I don't know how, but I know it's going to happen, right? And, and, but these equippers are so important to the body of Christ. We need them, right? We need equippers in marriage. We need equippers in, uh, you know, how to raise your children and not kill this stuff before they, you know, get out of the house. We, 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 need, we need equippers in the area of finances. We need equippers in the area of business. So it's, it's, it's so wide and it's so broad. Imagine if you have these prophetic equippers in schools like this teaching. That's what should be happening, right? 
by the way, I think that's why there's such a movement back to home education at the moment is because of there's an awakening of, listen, we need to equip our own kids. It's actually a prophetic thing that I believe is happening. There's nothing wrong with whatever you want to do, but I, but I think there's an awakening somewhere that, yo, some stuff needs to, you know, change. We need to get into line. We need to equip our kids for the future because prophetically we're seeing what's coming and we get that what we're giving at the moment is not probably not enough, right? You can always make up for it at home. You understand? You can always equip them at home, but lots of parents aren't even involved in that process, right? So th this is, again, this is like different levels of these anointings, but it comes down to the home level as well. It's like, what is more prophetic than looking at your child and seeing their future and then starting to teach them into that thing, right? And to bend them so that they can move in direction that, that God is showing you as a parent that this is who they're going to be one day. And so you start exposing them to the right stuff. It's basically what a prophetic equipper does. It's like you, you get an unction or a feeling about something or someone. This is where they need to go. And then you start exposing them in the Lord to the right thing so that they can move forward in their calling and destiny. Okay? So every parent needs to be that in any way. Right? But then there's a grace in the body for that as well. So prophetic equippers, is, it's, it's, a, it's a necessary grace that needs to come into the body again. Then the last two I want to talk about, and then we're going to move on. Well, I'm going to throw that one in because I prophesied it over someone. The other one is prophetic writers, right? It's people that write these prophetic stories, and, and it's, it, it's, it's got a prophetic edge to it, and it just touches and speaks uh, into the hearts of people. One of those books were, whether you liked it or not, it was that book, uh, The Day I Was Crucified. Remember that book? I think it's Gene Edwards is the guy's name. He would write these prophetic novels, right, about what happened to Jesus on the cross. But prophetically, it's like he would go into that story, and it's, it's a novel, so it's not like it's doctrine. Do you understand? But, but it, it speaks truth into us, and there's such a prophetic edge that it actually challenges you a little bit about some things. There's other more recent books that's very controversial to some people. I thought it was awesome, so I'm not going to mention the name. They actually made a movie out of it as well. I thought it was fantastic, right? Sorry that you didn't like it, but there's this really good stuff in it. I'm not saying it's theologically sound. That's not the point of it, but there's a heart message that, that God is trying to transfer through that thing. It's not like it's incorrect theologically, but it's a, it's a prophetic, it's a visionary thing that they unload. It's a story that God gives, and it teaches them. Here's the best example of, of, of kind of what I'm trying to say. I would sit with my kids sometimes at night, and they love, you know, they love reading stories. Tanya Celine, thank you. Um, but, but they love Opa Jan's stories a lot, and they love Oma Mari's stories. And then every now and again, you would go into a place where, where, where I would sit with them, and they want a Jesus story. But, and I would just start telling them about heaven. So I would just say, like, you know, there, there's these four characters. It's Emma Mays, Benji Beer, Adam Gurela, and Adil Panda Beer, Okay. And they have lots of adventures, right? And then they would kind of go, it's like Narnia. The next minute they're in front of the king. And, oh, man, so cool. And here's what's awesome. Every now and again, I, I get a story with them. And I can actually feel God's presence come into the room when I tell it, right? Because it's like there's suddenly anointing on it because they are hooked into something in the spirit. And their eyes are opening up to something in the realm of the spirit. That's exactly what I'm trying to do with them. I'm trying to give them understanding of what does it mean to fight. So they get these swords from the Lord, and they get shields, and they have a mission, and they need to go and do this and do that. And, I mean, they're just like, oh, this is so cool. That's their favorite stories. The other night I did it, and I, I, 
I didn't actually, usually it happens when I don't know what to tell them. So I'm just kind of, oh, you know, and I start and then suddenly it's like, oh, this is fun. And then we go and, and the next minute my, my daughter and my son, they just start weeping. I'm like, Jesus is so beautiful. We don't want to leave this place. <laughs> you, you understand that, but it, that's kind of, it's a simple example, but that's kind of what these prophetic stories are. Do you understand? It's just, it's prophetic writings that grips us and show us a reality, show us a part of who God is, gives us understanding about stuff in the spirit through a story, right? And it's super powerful. It's not about that it is scripturally 100% accurate. And I don't mean it has to be inaccurate, but you understand that it's a, it's a story. So I'm allowed to say that there's a guy with this, that name, even though he's not in the Bible. It's okay, right? But what he did, the values is scriptural. Do you understand? So that makes sense. I'm not encouraging untheological truth. I'm just saying that there's imagination involved, but the values is scriptural that is trying to, 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 to get over to us, right? And I mean, it's awesome. It's such a cool tool. I mean, uh, you know, kids' stories. Uh, imagine just more kids' stories like that, you know, with a prophetic edge on them that actually just speaks into their lives, and it just becomes part of who they are from a young age. So, yeah, where's the prophetic children book writers in the room? Come on, man. That'll be awesome, eh? All right. Prophetic evangelists. Now, that's interesting because one of the words over South Africa is that we'll, we'll breed and we'll spit out, however you want to say, prophetic evangelists like no other nation on the earth, right? Because the fish eagle, right? It's the eagle, so it's the prophetic sight, but it's also the, the creature of men, right? And it's that combination that comes in. And these guys are, are typically, they're on the streets, and God says, turn left, and they turn left, and God says, turn right, and they turn right, and wow, there she is, all right? And it's like, wow, the Lord's been showing you to me, and, and they start ministering to them, and there's prophetic words and words of knowledge, oh, your back is hurting, this is happening, that happened in your past, and they're weeping because they finally realize God knows them, and the spirit opens up, and they're ready to receive the gospel, and you bring them into the kingdom through this in prophetic encounter that, that God has set them up for, right? Todd White is one, the street evangelist, and he's just going, amen, God loves you, and he hugs everybody with his dreadlocks, and it's the coolest dude alive, and, <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, but your back is hurting, and God says this and that, and listen, this is happening, and everybody's crying around him, and he's hugging them, and people are getting born again, and it's just, it's just Todd White's life, right? Prophetic evangelist, right? He can't help himself. He can't help himself. Wherever he goes, he's going to get something for someone, and somebody's going to get born again because of the evangelistic anointing, but also this prophetic grace on his life, right? Charlie Shamp is another one. Charlie is just like, you know, he's, Charlie's lots of things, but he, he's, he's a wind catcher. So he just basically goes, Woof, okay, here we go, and we run with the wind, and okay, this is the one, like, this is happening, and driving next to the road, and it's like there's a guy on crutches, right? Let's stop, I have a word for him. I dreamt about you last night. I saw you walking with your crutches. You're not gonna walk with crutches anymore. Boom, healed, right? It's just, just awesome, okay? prophetic evangelist, right? And there was a big awakening of that, and I think there's still more to come uh, in South Africa about that and globally, right? Prophetic evangelists, people that's going to use the prophetic to actually hook, uh, hook people in, because there's nothing um, that speaks to people's hearts like prophecy. It's out of the heart of God, right? It's 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, and when you prophesy, unbelievers will come into your presence and they'll hear the prophetic unctions and they'll fall on their faces and worship God and say, how is it possible that this God is alive, that this God knows me the way that he does, right? 
That's what the prophetic does. It hooks people out of dark places. It shows them who they are. It shows them who Jesus is, and they go, wow, this God must be good if he knows all of this about me, right? Prophetic evangelists. It's so important, and it's, it, it will switch. It will be on the streets, and then the next minute it will be a crusade somewhere, but all of it through the leading of the Spirit, strategic stuff, right? Strategic stuff that God does uh, in a season. And then the last one I want to speak about is what he calls spirit bearers, right? I know that sounds a bit strange. I, there's probably lots of better descriptions. But this is what a spirit bearer is, basically. They are agents of chaos wherever they go, basically, but the good kind, right? So they walk in and they kind of, I don't really know what to do. The best description is, you know when you're trying to figure out which direction the wind is going? Or when you kind of, okay, there we go. That's exactly what they are. They stand in the room and they go, "Mm, don't know what to do. And the next minute they feel the Holy Spirit going this way. Like, hey, church, we're going this way. And there they go. And it's just weirdness breaks out around them. It's just absolute godly chaos sometimes. It's glorious. It's confusing. Don't exactly know what is happening. But you walk out and it's like, wow, something's changed. I had an encounter with the Lord. Right? So they are carriers. Everybody is, but they are carriers of the presence. Right? They have this ability to, to carry it and to feel that God is moving this way. Let's go that direction. So it's, it's kind of like you sit in that, you, don't exact, you feel like a spectator sometimes, and then the next minute you just get swept into the realm of the Spirit with these guys, right? There's lots of them around. One of those guys would actually be Jeff Jansen. Have you ever been to a Jeff Jansen service? My goodness, when you're done, it feels like you were in a crumble dryer or a washing machine for a couple of days. You're like, what just happened? It's it's absolute chaos around this guy, right? But it's awesome. Like people, th- then somebody's getting out of a wheelchair. Then he's like forgetting about this person prophesying over that one. And while he's prophesying over this one, he interrupts himself. And he's like, is your birthday this and this? And then he goes to this one. He's like, I'll get back to you now. It's, I mean, remember, it's, it's chaos, right? It's just absolute chaos. You, you don't exactly know what's happening. And th- you percolate around him the whole time. You don't sleep. I don't know how he lives. Like I'm just like around Jeff. And then suddenly you get to the end and you step into the next meeting and then this grace comes on your life and, you're, and the next minute you find yourself prophesying people's birth dates and prophesying how long they've worked in a place and it's miracle signs and wonders flowing. And you're like, whoa, right? Then it rubs off, <laughs> right? It really rubs off. And they've got an ability to just flow whichever way the spirit is going. And it feels kind of strange around them, but they're super wired to the spirit extremely sensitive to the, the, the little unctions and movements of the Spirit, and, they, and they're prepared to take the risk to go in that direction and see what happens. Um, a guy explained it to me nicely. He says it's like, it's, it's kind of like there's a, a frenzy, a feeding frenzy in the Spirit that these guys create. Does it make sense? It's like, you know, when you're, when you're looking at sharks, when you throw the chum, like when you throw it into the water, and they get the smell of blood, and suddenly it's just like feeding friends. There's sharks everywhere and dolphins, and it's just all over the place. And maybe a bad picture, but that's kind of exactly. <laughs> no, that was probably the worst picture ever. <laughs> yes, so I am calling you a shark, right? I'm calling myself a shark. <laughs> so, but the point is that they've got this ability to create the stir so that people come out to feed. 
Does that make sense? They, they, they stir in the spirit. They're constantly stirring, creating the stir, and it actually draws you out. It, it like something inside of you goes, oh, I want that, and it pulls you out into an encounter with the Lord, and you actually get fed in the spirit. So they, so they break the mold completely. It's uncomfortable around them. Boy, I've had some interesting church services in my own personal life that <laughs> some of you were involved, some of you weren't. Uh, it just got strange a little bit, right? Like, we were in this one house one time. I'm new in all of this stuff. And these guys, lots of prophetic guys, I'm sitting there. I'm going, you know, I'm completely new. I'm coming from a very conservative church background. Just got born again. I'm sitting in this house with a bunch of prophetic people. I didn't understand them fully then. And so they're just worshiping and interceding. I'm fine with that. And the next minute, one guy goes, there's nothing happening here. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm not, it is a bit dry, but fine. <laughs> and he's like, he kind of stands like this a little bit. And he's not like a, this is like a, back then, 45-year-old guy. He's not like a child or anything. And he's like, I think what we need to do is we need to roll on the floor. Just Let's just everybody roll on the floor and let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm going, what's wrong with you guys? You're knuckleheads. What's wrong with you? It's like, no, no, it's going to work. Let's try it. I'm thinking, oh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, <laughs> so, so, so the first guy rolls. I'm going, this is never going to work, right? This is just stupid. And he kind of looks okay. Then the second guy rolls. He gets up. He is as drunk as can be in the spirit. I'm thinking, that's bizarre. Now everybody's falling on the floor. They're all going, you roll. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. These guys are weird. So I'm resisting, but I decide, well, good peer pressure. I'm just like, whatever. All right. Nobody knows me in any way. So I roll on the floor and I get up. I'm like, that worked. I don't know what happened, but the meeting definitely changed. <laughs> Suddenly there's a different level of anointing. And, and I actually went into visions. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. We should roll around some more maybe. I don't know. You know, That's what I mean. It's just weird around these guys. You don't exactly know where it's going to go. It's not always comfortable. And a lot of the times you go, no, right? But it's actually confronting the religious spirit inside of you. Do you remember Jesus did weird stuff too, right? Hey, this guy's blind. Blind make you better why in the world and i know there's lots of great teachings about what it could have meant but it's just weird no this is going to help let's just spit in the ground make some mud put it on your eyes you're good to go go man <laughs> it's weird right jesus did strange things as well they don't always make sense i mean prophetic actions in the bible let's just lie on your side for about what 18 months and you're going to eat human dung okay no lord i'm not doing that all right cow dung that's what you're going to eat for the next 18 months and it's just a prophetic sign to the nations. I'm like, what in the world? Poor guy. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm not that prophet. Was it Ezekiel? Was it Jeremiah? Who was it? Ezekiel. It's a horrible prophetic action, right? God's like, I think that makes perfect sense to me because that's going to really speak to the people. <laughs> right? It's bizarre, right? But it's kind of, you understand, God is not, <laughs> he's not like, he, we're supposed to be like him, but he's out of the box a lot, really. Really, he is. And these spirit bearers kind of remind you that you don't have to understand anything. Just do it. It's good for you. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, this is really going to hurt, but it's good for you. Just do it. You know? <laughs> You're going to feel better afterwards, right? And we need those guys in our lives. We need, we need these wind catchers, whatever you want to call them, that can just stand in a room and say, all right, the Lord is moving in this direction. Let's just go. And you go. And when, when they step in, when you actually get that done, that's when usually signs and wonders accompany that, right? Like strange kind of manifestations of the Spirit that become signs and wonders in our lives pointing us back to Jesus, right? 
weird manifestations, stones manifesting and stuff. I mean, we've done a couple of times, and we didn't even try. We just started moving. The next minute, it would just pour. We actually did this very session in East London, and we just had diamonds manifest the next minute. We didn't even talk about it. We just practiced on the floor, right? Something about that, that a willingness to just move wherever he wants you to move, it, it's just, I don't know, it just opens up the realm of the spirit and the realm of possibility so that we can go wherever we want. And he can go wherever he wants. Because he's just sometimes looking for somebody to say, whichever way you want to go, we're willing to go, right? And not get stuck and too caught up in ourselves, right? So tonight, I have a great idea. We're going to roll on the canal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not be a bad idea. <laughs> Stop it. All right, let's get up. Have I told you how I broke free from the fear of man? I told you that story. We are so in trouble. So, I was terrified of speaking in front of people. Absolutely terrified after I got born again. I, I just shut down. I got nervous, palms sweating, couldn't do it. I was horrible at it. So, again, I go to this church, Airport Fellowship Church in Kempton Park. A friend invites me. I mean, I'm born again like a month or two. It's an amazing Christmas. And he's like, listen, there's a speaker from America. Let's go. I'm like, okay. So, we go. So I walk into this church, and this is a weird place. Like, this is like purple clocks, and I know it's got to be good. I, everything that I used to be against, I'm doing now. So just, you know. So it's like flags and swords and just weird worship, and I'm sitting there, I'm going, ah, not again. And um, no, but I'm afraid of people, right? I have the fear of man. So then they go at the end, and they say, this guy, awesome preaching, great. And, he's, and he t takes this blue cloth, and he just rolls it out in front of the church, and he says, this is the River Gilgal. Okay, I, you know, I can do this. It's fine. Yeah, sure. And he's like, so if you have a fear of people, I'm going, he's like, I want you to, isn't it strange? You're afraid of people. Now they go, you're afraid of people. So please come to the front and just roll on this river in front of everybody. I'm thinking, dude, I'm afraid of people. Why, why, why did you understand? Why would you do that to me? Right? And I'm going, there's no ways. I'm too afraid because I'm afraid of people. <laughs> Okay, I'm just not doing it. And then my friend next to me, apparently, he was afraid of people too, but less than I. So he went first, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just following, and I'm going, this is stupid. <laughs> Again, I don't know, what's the rolling thing, right? <laughs> and he rolls, and I kind of look at him, and I'm like, well, <laughs> again, nobody knows me, whatever. Get on the floor. I roll through the thing. Get up on the other side. Nothing happens much. But since that day, that thing broke. It just broke off of my life. I could speak in front of people. Suddenly, isn't it awesome? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you that rolling is legal. Thank you that being strange is legal. Thank you that playing is legal, Lord. And that thank you that we do it with humble hearts and honoring hearts and respectful spirits that I think you actually rejoice because you said we're supposed to be like children. Childlike faith, not childish, but childlike faith. The ability to follow wherever you lead and to do whatever you're asking of us, Lord. So, Lord, thank you for all of these prophetic graces. And I know there's tons more and there might be whatever that you want to add to that, that you want to hand out tonight. And thank you that tonight is a night of release. 
that tonight is a night where you want to release mantles on people. You want to release grace over people in this season. You also want to just remind people of who they are. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for what you want to impart into each and every one tonight. Let's just pray in tongues a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As you do that, I want you to just think about what I said. Was there an anointing, a mantle, whatever that spoke to your heart? But you said, God, I want that. Right? I mentioned a bunch of them. If some of that jumped out in your spirit and you, you went, that's what I want. That's what I need. Right? You don't have to remember the specific name. It doesn't matter. But something just spoke into your spirit. And that thing, I want you to put that before the Lord. Maybe you saw yourself in something, then acknowledge that and say thank you. Maybe there's something that you saw that you want. Both is legal. Both is what we want to do. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you want to hand out things tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we have the mantle of Christ, that you want to tailor something specifically for each and every one in this room tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are releasing something in our lives that's new tonight, Lord. You want to stir that spirit realm up. That's what I want you to do. Stir that realm up the best you know how. Stir up the prophetic. Stir up the spirit. Stir up hunger, right? Paul said, stir up the gift that's inside. Right? Fan it into flame. So, Lord, we, we're fanning that thing into action tonight, Lord. And we let our hunger rise up to heaven. And we want response from heaven, Lord. In Jesus' name, just release, release, release something over us tonight, Lord. Fill our hearts with hunger. Come on, let's get the hunger up a little bit. Let's just raise that level of expectation a little bit. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Just fill our hearts, fill our hearts. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just stir it up. Stir it up. Stir up your spirit. Come on. What do you want from me? In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, breath of God, just move. I want to encourage you. Get out of your chair a little bit. Start moving around in the room, right? Just start walking around a little bit. Just start engaging God. I know it's uncomfortable. That's the